to the Voices of Women Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Tatiana Reznik, a practicing physician and a certified life coach. You will hear about inspirational journeys and practical tips from amazing women physicians, as well as effective coaching tools and steps to joyful success. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to this episode of our podcast. I'm so happy to have here today our special guest, Dr. Sarah Smith. Dr. Sarah Smith is a rural family physician in Canada and a charting coach for physicians. Welcome, Dr. Smith. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, So I'm a rural family physician. Originally, I'm from Australia, and then we moved to Canada. That's where we are right now. And I practice as a rural family physician and work in the emergency department. And I am a charting coach because I had the experience of having significant difficulty with my charting and paperwork myself. And as I fixed that problem for myself, I really wanted to give back to my fellow physicians. And so I went and did my certification and that's what I love to do as well as the clinical work. So yeah, thanks. It is wonderful. Tell us a little bit about your life in Australia and how you got to Canada. Oh, certainly. Journey, wow. (laughs) It is a long journey. So I trained in Perth, Australia, and any time there was opportunity to go rural, I would. So that would be as a medical student or in any of my rotations. I just found the learning to be much richer because I was typically the only learner and I had the the focus of my teacher. And then as we graduated. I'm the sole income earner for my family or became so when I started working. So we took a scholarship during my medical school, which meant I needed to give back service to the East Coast of Australia. But that scholarship helped pay for babysitting for my baby boy who was born when I was in fifth year medicine. So we moved across Australia to start my hospital years. And there I wanted, we wanted to have baby number two while we were there. So I stayed in the hospital system longer than expected for a general practitioner training and did critical care training and emergency department extra skills. And then we found ourselves again wanting to move. So we took ourselves as a family to the north of Australia, to the tropical north with the rainforest and the coral reefs. It's just a beautiful place in Cairns, Australia. And I practiced for five years as a full-time family doctor there. And that's really urban family doctoring. There was no emergency department while I was there. It was family medicine busy, busy practice and some nursing home patients and some palliative care. But then the kids were in grade two and grade five, and we'd been in our dream home for about three years at that point. It was this gorgeous pole home in the rainforest made of wood. It's just beautiful, surrounded by rainforest. Um, We were very spoiled there. I had the career I wanted We had completed our family. We're living in this dream home. We'd always wanted to travel around Australia. And so we were driving to my parents' house one weekend, which is about a four-hour drive. And I said to my husband, well, why are we going to wait till we retire to travel around Australia? 
the kids are grade two and grade five, we could probably pull that off homeschooling them. I can probably handle grade two and grade five math and English, uh, social studies. What's stopping us packing it all up and going traveling? Um, So we did. We sold the house. We sold pretty much all of our possessions, except for a few things that we put into storage, bought a truck and trailer, which is a uh, ute and a caravan in Australia. And we headed off around Australia. So I went and upskilled again in emergency medicine because it'd been a few years. I'm locumed mostly in emergency departments in rural environments where sometimes I was the only doctor for 400 kilometers, which is (laughs) super scary at times, but also really interesting. And we had just the best memory making time And I didn't work a lot. It was like semi-retirement. I did some locuming and a lot of just being with the family, being a mom, uh, hiking, all the fun things. It was so different and, and so, so fun. And it also taught me a different lesson. It taught me that I'm 100% replaceable as a family doctor, as a clinician, as a physician. And that actually is really important to know because sometimes we feel like we're stuck and that there's no other option. But when we know that actually things can work out okay when we leave, somebody will come into our place eventually. That helped to make me feel less trapped. Not that I felt particularly trapped at that time, but I've certainly had that experience within my career where I felt like it was difficult to leave. So yeah, so that was a, that was something to learn as well while we were traveling around. And then we got to the end of that journey and we were in a beautiful locum apartment on the beach, absolutely spectacular doing hospital medicine. And we had no idea what we wanted to do next. We were essentially homeless. And uh, I said to the family, well, there's jobs going in Canada. And they were very excited So we decided to come here for a year and we are still here. Wow. Wow. You're brave. (laughs) Uh, Adventurous. Yes. Adventurous. Um, Yes, totally. And maybe a little brave or courageous, but mostly just willing to have, try new things, willing to adventure. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) It is awesome. Was it hard? to keep switching between primary care and hospital medicine and ER, all of those fields in different locations, different environments. I certainly learned a lot. And I think that a couple of things had helped. One is a very solid foundation in hospital medicine in Tamworth, where I trained. So In Australia, we go and do an internship where we have to do our core modules like medicine, emergency, surgery. And then we can stay in the hospital system and do other rotations until we decide what we want to be. So I had decided I wanted to be a family physician, but that meant I had to go and do a hospital term in psychiatry, internal medicine, and some other elective ones and pediatrics. So I did those core And then because I was having baby two, I decided that familiar is easy. I'll stay in the hospital system and did critical care training, which is your ICU emergency and anesthetics, and then a full year of emergency. So I had a good solid foundation 
even though it started to age, right? Because it had been then five years in family physician world only and out of the hospital system. So when I decided to go locuming, what I did was in Australia, we had the option to upskill in a local base hospital. So that's like a big city emergency department. Family doctors can go and shadow senior consultants in emergency and really get kind of up to date on our skills and current medicine and current treatments in the emergency department. And we were treated as specialists because as a postgraduate family physician, we're considered specialists when we moved back into the hospital. So it was very good, solid re-immersion. And then the first locum position I chose was a full 12 weeks in a rural emergency department and 52-bed hospital where we had an on-call anesthetist, uh, internal medicine physician, And so that was a really good, again, reminder of how things work, how to admit patients to the hospital, how to, you know, all those critical care things come back, your trauma training comes back, your anesthetics training comes back, but you've also got the team to learn from. And there's always that panic inside of you that I've forgotten everything. And you'll notice this when you come back from holidays, come back from maternity leave, change jobs, going back into the hospital. It's very frightening and very easy to hop into that imposter syndrome. But with that little bit of courage, that little heart of adventure, knowing that, sure, my skills are rusty, but I know my ABCs. I know where to start and I know when to ring for help. And I'm going to ring for help and not be arrogant about it. But more of that who's in my world that can help me? So who are the staff that have been there a good amount of time, the nursing staff, the allied health staff, who are my specialists who's on call? Not that I want to use them all the time, but at least I have that safety net so that I can do what needs to be done and learn what I need to learn. So, yeah. And how it was in Canada when you arrived? How long ago (laughs) it was and how was the transition? Sure. So each time I move into a new emergency department or hospital, I kind of get my orientation and then I do my own orientation. I kind of open every drawer and every cupboard to kind of see where everything is. So to come to Canada, I did um, some job interviews on over the phone at that point before Zoom. And I was hearing the what they were kind of explaining to me about communities and I had just come from a position where I'd been a locum for 12 months and we were really one in two on call. It was 36 hours that you could potentially be awake for and and helping within the community. So it was very busy and quite acute medicine and acute trauma. And so it was it was hard. If if, to me, my brain kept telling me this is like stealing years off your life. (laughs) It was really a beautiful location really hard medicine. And so it was great for priming the skills because we were a rural country town with very few additional resources, no x-ray on site, no lab on site, like crazy. Oh no! (laughs) So it was really having to use that clinical judgment. So I I was pretty happy that I could come to Canada and figure it out because humans are humans, no matter where you go on the planet right? They have the same diseases. They, they might talk differently. They may have different culture. And 
So I was a little bit apprehensive about, you know, I, I looked through some old emails recently and I was asking, you know, what is the immunization schedule when I get there? Uh, how do I find the local medications to be using? But other than that, I think I could probably figure it out. So coming into Canada, we came for a year and that was 10 years ago. So I've been here 10 years. 10 years, yeah. <laughs> and the hardest part about a new community is learning the social pieces, like where do I refer people to? Who are my local resources? Because we're two hours from the local city, like the nearest city, but two hours away. So, you know, who do I call in an emergency in the, in the emergency department in the middle of the night? Uh, how do I get patients to the correct tertiary center? What are the processes for doing all of the things we need to do here? What medications do you need me to <laughs> prescribe? So it, there was a bit of learning. It would have been I'm going to say a good six months before I really felt like I had it <clears throat> understood well. Mm -hmm. uh, how did kids adjust? Did they like the transition? How is it doing now? And where is it? Are they in Canada now? Yeah, good question. So while we traveled around Australia, we did homeschool and it's pretty easy in Australia to do that. You just simply tell them you're going to be homeschooling, give them an idea of what you'll be teaching them. And we did math textbooks. We did a journal every day for their English and art and reading and writing. And we did book reading and then we did museums and other things for their social immersion. So that was social studies. When we moved to that little country town before we came to Canada, they went back to school. And the good thing about homeschooling is they had learned to be more independent adult-like learners, even though they weren't adults, clearly. So they thrived back in the school system because if there was an assignment to be done, they knew how to get started, how to plan it out and execute it. And then they had that socialization again. So they really enjoyed it. When we moved to Canada, they were kind of like celebrities because they sounded different, right? <laughs> and like typical Australians, they can spin a story. So they would tell, you know, friends about how they rode kangaroos to school and other BS. So, so they really enjoyed it here. And then the school system in Canada, we actually really liked the high school system here. It's much more flexible than the Australian system was. I'm not sure what it is like now, but but here it was just so good for our kids because they could go as fast or as slow as they wanted to to get their education done. So my eldest one did well and he went off to university. He's doing microbiology. And my youngest, who really is not a school kind of kid. Like if he applies himself, he gets amazing grades, but would rather not. And he was able to finish high school really super fast and start an apprenticeship in grade 12. So he's a welding apprentice and he's loving that. So yeah, we're just happy to have them thriving and doing what they want to do. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. And how also is traveling just kids in so many places? How did you manage it? It might be quite difficult. <laughs> they adjusted quite well to the moving around. I, I give them credit for that. It may have been part of the way we brought them up, but the adjusting and socializing, kids are pretty adaptable, not all kids. Uh -huh. If our children had been struggling, struggling at any point, we would have just paused and gone and done what had needed to be done as, as most parents would, but they were doing well. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's great. 
And how did you start coaching? And how did you start specifically coaching about charting? Please tell us about this. Yeah, for sure. So when I was a full-time family physician back in Australia, I had a busy practice. And the interesting thing about medicine in Australia is in family practices, which generally in one room. So our office and our patients are all seen in the one room. Most physicians are not using two consultation rooms, unlike most of North America. So we had a patient come in and then the patient would go out. Then we might do some phone calls then we bring the next patient in. So it really limited how many patients you could see in a day and how much time you had to get to the, the charting and the referrals and the inbox and the paperwork At least that's what I had told myself. And so at the end of the day, I had hours of paperwork left. And then initially there was no remote access. So I would come in on Saturdays because when I asked my mentors, how do you deal with this paperwork? The answer was come in on Saturdays. So that's what I did. This concludes the first part of our interview with Dr. Smith. In the next episode, Dr. Smith will share strategies on how to finish charting faster and get home on time. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed it or found it helpful, please subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share with a friend. Have any topics you'd like covered? Send me an email at joyfulsuccessliving at gmail.com. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram to connect at Joyful Success Living. Have an amazing week. See you next time. The Voices of Women Physicians podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not provide any medical, financial, tax, legal, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own well-being, decisions, and results. Dr. Resnick is a practicing physician, but Voices of Women Physicians podcast is not reflective of the opinion of her employer. You should always contact professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.